listening. Can you all hear me? That's really sort of the theme of today's talk. And Samuel had to learn to listen and learn where the voices were coming from. Our superhero is a small boy, maybe eight or nine years old, who was given a clear and disturbing message from God. As with many Old Testament stories, there's a big backstory to this which we haven't gone through, and I'll try to fill in briefly. Samuel's mum was a woman named Hannah who didn't have children, and she wanted children more than anything else in the world. She wanted a son more than anything, and she prayed and prayed and prayed, asking God to give her a son. She promised God that if he gave her a son, she would give him back to the Lord to serve him in the temple, and he would serve all the days of his life. God gave Hannah the son she asked for, and she kept her promise to God. When the boy was old enough, she took him to the temple and presented him to Eli, the priest. And Samuel served in the temple under Eli. Before we get any further, young people and not so young people, there's some colouring sheets and quiz sheets here for you to come and get on with. So, come and help yourselves. Eli was a high priest in the temple. He must have spent much of his life in a very close relationship with God, as shown by his communication with Hannah and his training of Samuel. But as he aged, things went very wrong. His sons were sacrilegious. They stole from the people coming to sacrifice at the temple. And they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the temple. There's one simple word we'd use for this today. They were corrupt. Very, very corrupt. Eli had already been warned about this, about his sons and his behaviour by a man of God. Now we don't know in the Bible whether this was an angel or another Jew, we aren't told that. <coughs> but tradition in those times was that the priesthood was hereditary, so that Eli's sons automatically became priests in the temple. Eli's sin was that he let his sons, who were priests, continue in their evil ways. In other words, he put his sons above God. For those of you who are parents, correcting wayward children can be difficult, as I'm sure many of you know. Your children do wrong things. Your role as a parent is to advise them, correct them, admonish them if necessarily, or to show them a better path. It seemed Eli couldn't or didn't bother. Maybe he had not thought he had nothing to lose, even when he'd been warned. However, this story is more than about Eli and his sons. Samuel was a young boy. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. In other words, although he'd been trained by Eli, he'd not grown close to God. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Perhaps this was because of the nature of how the Lord was being served in the temple. There was an ethos of corruption and sin. Despite that, the Lord called out clearly to Samuel in a spoken voice, yet only Samuel heard it. It took three attempts before Samuel realised what was going on. Who was speaking to him? And the message was not at all nice. In effect, Samuel had to tell Eli 
that he and his sons were going to die for their sins. They could not atone for them. Imagine being placed in such a position where you have to tell someone they're going to die because of their bad behaviour. This was the first time the Lord has spoken so clearly to the Jews since the time of Moses and Joshua. That was around 300 years beforehand. Now then, what relevance does this have for us nowadays? I believe that God still speaks to us. Not always in a spoken voice, but in a range of ways. Which is why we started the service with Psalm 19. God can speak to us through his creation. God has spoken to me on a number of occasions. Not in speech, but by letting me know of his presence and his love. The first time I was aware of it, I was seriously ill. There was a medical diagnosis of burnout. I was suffering major depression. My memory was fragmentary. And I had problems concentrating. <laughs> Having achieved my vocation, which was training teachers, the workload just became too much. And in moments of depression, I was suicidal. Couldn't cope with having my family around me, would hide in my bedroom, my brain and thoughts in complete turmoil. Yet beneath it all was a small, still voice of calm. Part of me knew that all would be well. I believe this was the Lord showing his love for me. Eventually I was granted early retirement and left work with a pension. The downside was, it was like being bereaved. I felt I lost my purpose in life, which is what a vocation means. I still have dreams about my work, the dark recesses of my subconsciousness chewing over events from the past. The next occasions I heard from God were like notions sort of springing into my head from nowhere. I knew there was a spiritual gap in my life. Although I was brought up in the Church of England, the message they had given me at the time was one of hellfire and damnation for all sinners. The first notion was I wanted to take the Alpha course. I searched over the internet for who was running one and believe where I ended up, here. In my somewhat fragile emotional state, it took quite a degree to drag myself through the door. And when I started on the course, I was one of the most stroppy students asking all the most difficult questions, as Rebecca, my group leader, will verify. The next notion I had was to get baptised. This again was difficult because my growth of faith was not popular with the rest of my family, who don't have belief. To make it more difficult, I was the only one being baptised at the time. And rather it being a wonderful, joyous occasion with a group of us being baptised, it was just me. I felt pretty scared and lonely. Following this, I had another feeling, and it led me st starting what's called Prepare for Service course at Bristol Baptist College. This is a part-time academic course, which could lead to one becoming a lay pastor. This took me on a journey through the nature of my faith, what I believed in, and how I could help other people struggling with problems of faith and how to, really, to relate the problems of modern day life to 2,000 years ago Israel. I thoroughly enjoyed the course, 
who unfortunately had to leave about three quarters of the way through because of ill health. The main thing I learned from it was it, it was okay to have doubts. It was okay to have questions about one's beliefs. I'd become what is known as a critical believer. In other words, I wanted to question things. As a consequence, I had another very clear word from God. I was ill with a very bad infection. I had a high temperature and was hallucinating whilst dreaming. Part of the hallucinations included seeing green and black devils or demons. It was downright scary, even though I was asleep. Once again, this still, still voice of calm came over me. It told me I was ill, and these were just hallucinations caused by the infection. I believe again this was the word of the Lord telling me all would be well. So these are some of the ways the Lord has spoken to me. Not necessarily in words, but in ideas, feelings, notions and emotions. Looking back to the excerpt of Psalm 19, God can speak to us through his creation, the world around us, the stars above us, the sun which gives us light. You might also have your own ways in which God speaks to you. God isn't fussy about who he chooses to talk to, as long as you can fulfil his wishes. Let's just briefly consider a few miscreants and no-hopers no out of the Bible. In Exodus, there was an adopted child who became a murderer. He was called Moses and led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. In Samuel, there was another man who became a murderer so he could marry a woman he fancied. His name was David, King of the Jews. Then there was Jonah, who we probably know about, who was eaten by a whale and later vomited up. Yuck. In Judges, there was a man called Gideon, who heard God's voice and went and hid in a wine vat. I think it was empty, but I'm not sure. But he ended up leading a victorious army of the Israelites. And then in Kings, there was Naaman, commander of the whole Syrian army, who became ill, and he was told he had to go and wash himself in the river. And he was cured, he was able to spread God's word. And last of all, there was a man called Saul, who persecuted Jesus' followers after his death and crucifixion. And then, after his experience on the road to Damascus, he was to become a mainstay of the early church. Now to conclude, if you have a message which you believe to come from God, what should you do about it? There are three ways in which I think you can come to terms with your message. I'll call it the ABC message, thanks to someone called Pete Gregg. So firstly, A, before taking any radical action, ask for advice. Not from your next door neighbour or a man in the pub, but from a mature, well-informed Christian maybe the pastor or a number of member of the church, someone who you can trust. Do not, at this stage, book a boat trip, murder someone, or hide in a vat of wine. <laughs> B, is it biblical? Does it relate to the teachings of Jesus or other biblical teachings? There are some parts of the Bible which are quite difficult to interpret. And early aspects of Jewish law don't necessarily fit in with modern day thinking. But, once again, A for advice. And C, conscience. Does it square with your conscience? Robbing a bank or selling drugs are definitely out here. 
you don't do them. There may be other areas which are more grey than black and white. For example, you might believe you're being told to move away from your family and go somewhere. This may be the right thing to do, but then it may not. If moving is involved, are you going to benefit from it? If you have a family, what on earth do they feel about it? And last of all, although it's not part of the alphabet, P. I don't mean out the back there. P is for prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Find yourself a quiet space and pray. If some dark thoughts are keeping you awake at night, pray. Use this time to pray. Then ask someone in your church to pray with you. God will always find a way through. And some people think that God only calls adults, or those who are committed believers. This is turned round in the story of Samuel. Samuel was just a young boy when God called him. God knows your name, just as he knew the name of Samuel. But God still calls people today, saying, come and follow me. So I listen, so listen for God's call and answer, just as Samuel did. Here I am. Now I'd like to finish with a prayer. Dear Father, today we wait to hear your call. Perhaps you want us to do something special. When you call, like Samuel, we will answer. Here I am. Amen. <laughs>